You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to Jeremiah 34, and we'll continue our series here on these Wednesday nights going through the book of Jeremiah. And uh, verse number one of Jeremiah 34, it says, The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord. I'm so glad that uh, this uh, book especially, it just reiterates time and time again that this is not Jeremiah's ideas. Uh, this is not Jeremiah's philosophies, but these are the words from the Lord. And the word came from the Lord unto Jeremiah when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army, and all the kingdoms of the earth of his dominion, and all the people fought against Jerusalem and against all the cities thereof, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and tell him, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. And thou shalt not escape out of his hand, but shalt surely be taken and delivered into his hand. And thine eyes shall behold the eyes of the king of Babylon, and he shall speak with thee mouth to mouth, and thou shalt go to Babylon. Yet hear the word of the Lord, O Zedekiah, king of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of thee, thou shalt not die by the sword, but thou shalt die in peace. With the burnings of thy fathers, the former kings which were before thee, so shall they burn odors for thee. They will lament thee, saying, Ah, Lord, for I have pronounced the word, saith the Lord. Then Jeremiah the prophet spake all these words unto Zedekiah, king of Judah, in Jerusalem. When the king of Babylon's army fought against Jerusalem and against all the cities of Judah that were left against Lachish, and against Azekah, for these defensed cities remained of the cities of Judah. And let's pray. Our Father, I pray you'd speak to us as we look at your word. And I pray that uh, the word of God this evening would come alive. I pray that you would help us to see some things in this passage that would be a help to us. May we apply the truths to our lives. We know that your word is quick. Uh, it is alive. It is powerful. And we know that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I pray you'd show us some things in our life that we need illuminated. I pray you'd shed some light on some situations that we're facing that we might know what to do and where to go and how to respond, uh, not with man's wisdom, but with the wisdom from Almighty, uh, all-wise, all-knowing, the creator of the universe. We pray we'd have your wisdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice verse number one, as we get into Jeremiah 34, God sent a message to Jeremiah, and I want you to notice the timing of this message. And it, to me, it's so, it's so incredible. I've read this before. I've seen this before, but it just jumped out at me these past few days. The people of Judah, this is Zedekiah. He is the king. He is the last king of Judah. They're getting ready to go into captivity. They're so close, as a matter of fact, because in verse number one, the Bible says that the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah when Nebuchadnezzar and all his army 
And all of his dominion and all of his people were fighting against Jerusalem. I want you to just, if you're jotting notes down or if you mark your Bible, I want you just to jot a few things. God sent a message to Jeremiah in the middle of a battle. Now, have you ever been, I, I, maybe some of you in, from military, maybe you've been in the middle uh, of a, a battle. For some of you with law enforcement, you've been in the middle of uh, a, an altercation or you've been in the middle of a fight. But can I tell you, when you're in the middle of a battle, that's usually not the time that you can stop and listen to a message. Or if you do, you're probably pretty distracted. Uh, for me, I've never been in a, a battle. I've never been on a battlefield. Um, but uh, I've been in some, uh, some sports situations where the coach would call a timeout and it'd be a championship game and it's the fourth quarter and it's a tie score and it could go either way. And the coach is trying to talk to the team and he's got his clipboard and he's got his dry erase marker and he's showing us, hey, this is where you need to be and this is what you need to do. And you know what most players do during those timeouts? They have no clue. They're not even listening. I mean, they're out of it. They are in la-la land because of the intensity of the situation. There's so much going on that you might as well be talking to a brick wall sometimes. But here's what's amazing to me, that God chose the middle of a battle to speak to Zedekiah. I want to say this, you might be here tonight and you might be in the middle of a battle. Hopefully it's not a physical battle. Hopefully it's not with your spouse. You know, we just had that marriage seminar Saturday night and I hope that helped. Um, Russell is up in the sound booth. I think he's up in the sound booth still. But there he is. I see a hand waving. Russell came in on Sunday night. Now, if you saw Russell on Sunday night, bless his heart, he had the biggest fat lip you have ever seen in your life. Well, I didn't know till I knew he had the fat lip, but I didn't know till tonight. He went up to Brother Harold and he told the preacher, he said, Brother, I want to thank you so much. You told my you taught my wife about that submit, you know, where you come under with the glove and you do the uppercut. And he said, and, and Alice, she practiced that submit on me. And he said for a second there, Brother Harold was staring at him like, no, please tell me it didn't happen. But, um, but, but maybe you've been in the middle of a battle, hopefully not a battle at home, you know, with your spouse or with your kids or the in-laws or whoever. But maybe you're here tonight and you're in the middle of a spiritual battle. Maybe you're in the middle of an emotional battle. Maybe you're in the middle of some kind of a battle where that old devil is just seeming to just to fight over time to try to get to you and to try to discourage you. Can I tell you when you're in the middle of a battle, it'd be a good idea to stop and listen to what God has to say. We, we, we listen to the news and we listen to the blogs and we read all the helps and we read the books and, and we get advice from this person and that person. How about getting in the word of God and finding out what God says you should do? God sent a message during the battle. I'll say this, listen to God. Even when you are in a battle, listen to God, especially when you are in a battle. You may be in a storm. You may be in a trial. You may be in a difficult situation. Listen to God. God's got a message for you. God's word has the answer to whatever you're facing. 
And I'm thankful that God has the answer for our lives. Verse 2, God told Jeremiah, go and speak to Zedekiah. This was not a, a, a popular message. This was not a, a message that Jeremiah was going to get accolades and get praise for. This was a negative message. He said, go to Zedekiah and say, the king's going to take this city. He's going to burn it with fire. You're not going to escape. He's going to catch you. He's going to capture you. You're going to look him in his eye. And can I tell you, that's not a friendly meeting when you have been captured by an enemy king. And that king has captured you and that king has destroyed your city and that king has conquered your army and that king looks at you with the look of, of conquest and that king looks at you and says, you are now my prisoner. I can do whatever I want to with you. But that's what was gonna happen to Zedekiah. Verse four, Jeremiah said that he would not die by the sword, but he said in verse five that Zedekiah would die in peace. Now, don't let that fool you because we know and as we study the book of Jeremiah, we will see that Zedekiah would actually witness the death of his sons before his very eyes. And after he witnessed the death of his sons, after they were captured by Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar would take a, a spear and would literally shove that spear into the eyes of Zedekiah and would cause him to go blind. So the last thing that Zedekiah would see before, as he went into captivity, the last thing he'd see while he had his vision would be the death of his sons. And he would know that it was his fault because he wouldn't listen to God. Because he would not repent when God said, you need to get right. And so don't be fooled by this thing of peace. It wasn't going to be a good kind of peace. But Jeremiah said, you're not going to die by the sword, but you'll be a captive. You'll be in prison. And that's how you will live out your days. Pastor Andy Harrell was here over the weekend and we were driving back on uh, Monday and we were talking a little bit on the way to the airport. And I remember a statement that he made. It was his statement. I can't take the credit for it. But he made this statement when I was in Bible college and he was one of my teachers. But he said this, he said, I would rather my family weep over my death than to have them weep over my life. And can I tell you, I hope that's the way we're living. I hope we're saying, I wanna be true to my family. I wanna be true to my spouse. I wanna be true to my kids. I wanna be true uh, to God. I wanna be true to what God has called me to do. And yes, people will weep over my death. I hope they weep over my death, but I don't want people to look at my life and weep because of decisions that I have made that would bring disgrace and bring dishonor to the name of Christ. Zedekiah would die in peace. Notice verse number six. Jeremiah went and he delivered the message. This was a crazy time. This was wartime. But Jeremiah obeyed and he went to Zedekiah with the message from God. Verse number seven. When the king of Babylon's army fought against Jerusalem. I'll say this. I believe we need the preaching. I believe we need the teaching. I believe we need the reading of God's word all the time. You say, but I just got bad news. Maybe so, but you still need the word of God. You say, I just got a promotion at work. Wonderful. We still need the Bible. You say, I'm not feeling very good. We need the Bible. You may say, I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. Wonderful. 
We need the Bible all times. It is our spiritual food. It is our strength. It is our map. It is our anchor. It is our foundation. We must have the word of God all the time. Verse number eight, interesting passage. Uh, we, Brother Nathan, he's, he's out, but he always picks, the, he picks the best songs. What was the first song? A shelter in the time of storm. I don't know if he knew what the weather was going to be tonight or not, but you can hear that raining. And uh, if we lose power or anything, don't panic. We'll be okay. But um, and we, we might lose that power, but I'm glad we got this power right here from this book. And uh, the Lord knows all about it. Verse number eight. This is an interesting thought I want to show you. It says in verse number eight that this is the word that came unto Jeremiah from the Lord. After that, the king Zedekiah had made a covenant. He made a promise. He made a deal with all the people which were at Jerusalem to proclaim liberty unto them, that every man should let his manservant and every man his maidservant, being in Hebrew or being in Hebrewist, go free, that none should serve himself of them to wit of a Jew, his brother. So Zedekiah, it's wartime, right? And, and with wartime, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how things are going to turn out. And so Zedekiah makes a decree and he says, hey, we need to turn all of the servants, we need to turn them all loose. He said, uh, a man or woman, he said, we're turning you loose. You are set at liberty. You are free. You're not held back. You're not uh, held down. You're not uh, uh, going to have to answer to your master. You are free because we're in war and we want you to try to uh, escape. We want your life to be spared somehow. But then something happened. Verse number 10. Now when all the princes and all the people which had entered into the covenant heard that everyone should let his manservant and everyone his maidservant go free, that none should serve themselves of them anymore, then they obeyed and let them go. That's a good thing to do, right? To obey to do what you're supposed to do. And this is what the king had said. And this is what the people did. But verse number 11, but afterward they turned and caused the servants and the handmaids whom they had let go free to return and brought them into subjection for servants and for handmaids. Now, this may not seem like a big deal to you, but God uses this and he shows his people his disgust with the fact that they made a promise and then they broke the promise. They said, we're going to let you all go free. And they let them all go free. But then in verse number 11, but afterward, they turned and caused the servants whom they had let go free to return and brought them into subjection. Notice verse 12. Therefore, because of this, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, I made a covenant with your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondmen. You know what God says? He says, I found you when you were slaves in Egypt. I found you when you were servants and you had masters and I found you and I set you free. I brought you out of Egypt. I took care of you. I broke the chains that bound you there in Egypt. And verse number um, 13, uh, thus saith the Lord that uh, the God of Israel made a covenant with your fathers. Verse 14, at the end of seven years, let ye go every man his brother 
and Hebrew, which had been sold unto thee. And when he hath served thee six years, thou shalt let him go free from thee. But your fathers hearken not unto me, neither incline their ear. You see, God had already set up that servants would work for a master, but on the seventh year, they would be free. And it didn't matter, didn't matter how much they paid for him, didn't matter uh, how much they felt like that they still had left on this servant. After seven years, that servant was supposed to be set free. That was something that God instituted in the Old Testament law. And he said, in your fathers, he said, they didn't listen, they didn't obey. Verse number 15, and ye were now turned and had done right in my sight in proclaiming liberty, every man to his neighbor. God said, you did what you were supposed to do and you made a covenant before me in the house which is called by my name. He said, you even, you even, went, to the, you even went to the temple. You even made it public. You even, said, you even said, God said for us to do this and we're gonna do it. And then, verse 16, it says, but she turned and polluted or profaned my name and caused every man his servant and every man his handmaid whom he had set at liberty at their pleasure to return and brought them into subjection to be unto you for servants and for handmaids. Therefore, thus saith the Lord. Look at verse 17. You want to know how mad and how upset God is because of their actions? He says in verse 17, ye have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty every one to his brother and every man to his neighbor. Behold, God says, I proclaim a liberty. God says, you didn't proclaim liberty to the servants like I told you to do. So God says, I'm going to proclaim a liberty. But notice what this liberty is for. He says, I proclaim a liberty for you, saith the Lord, to the sword and to the pestilence, uh, the disease, and to the famine. And I will make you to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Whoa, that's serious business. God says, because you didn't do what I said, well, they did it, and then they turned back and they disobeyed it. God says, because you didn't continue to obey what I said, you changed your mind, you thought you knew better. God says, I'm gonna set at liberty the sword. I'm gonna turn the sword loose on you. I'm going to turn the diseases loose on you. I'm going to turn the famine loose on you. Now, there's, there's a few things that just, I think, really jump out at me. Number one is I'm thankful for all the times God protects us. Aren't you glad for God's protection? Aren't you thankful for all the times God doesn't uh, allow the sword? God doesn't allow the disease. God doesn't allow the famines to affect us. But here's what I know. I know that if we do not obey what God has told us in his word, we are opening ourselves up to the danger. And we are opening ourselves up to the judgment of God. Remember the story of Job? Remember how that Job, he was righteous. He was not being judged by God for a sin. Uh, God was allowing Satan uh, to do these things to Job to prove that Job was real and that Job did love God. Remember what, what Satan said about Job? He said, you have, you've put a hedge around about him. And God had placed a hedge. God had protect. We, we use that terminology, a, a hedge of protection. But literally, that's what God had done for Job. God had built a hedge. God had put a wall. God had put a fence around Job. And Satan could not touch Job. 
Can I tell you, I want one of those around me. I want one of those around my family. I want one of those to be around this church. I want God to protect us. I want God to keep uh, the, the, the destruction away. And I want God to keep the judgment away. And I want God to keep that old devil away. I want God's protection on us. But can I tell you, when we disobey God, you know what we're doing? It's like we're literally pushing the gate open. It's like we're literally just tempting God and saying, I'm going to do whatever I want to. And God says, you can do whatever you want to. You can choose the way you want to go. But you're going to suffer the consequences for that choice. Can I tell you, the people did not listen. They did not obey. And God said, I'm going to turn some things loose on you. And you will be judged because of your sin. Because you would not hearken. Verses 18 and 19 is a very interesting passage. I've read this passage before. I never really saw it like this, and, and I want you to see it, and we'll, we'll keep moving. God says to his people, And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me, when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof. Now, that's, that's very strange. Verse 19, the princes of Judah and the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs and the priests and all the people of the land, which passed between the parts of the calf. If you go back to Genesis 15, you don't have to do that now, but I'd encourage you to look at it later. In Genesis 15, we see this was instituted in a covenant that God made with his people. He caused them to take animals, and of course, they offered animals as sacrifices in the Old Testament. We don't do that anymore, thank the Lord. But they would offer an animal. Well, one particular covenant that they would make, God told them to take an animal and to cut it in half, cut it in two pieces. And he told them then, he said, I want you to spread that animal apart into two pieces and I want you to make a path in between and he said I want you to walk between those parts of the animal here it's a calf he said that calf that has been cut in twain and what that was was when a, a covenant was made or an agreement was made they would walk between that animal and they would say I am giving my word I am making a promise I am swearing with an oath that I'm going to do what I said I would do. And if I don't, I understand that what has happened to this animal could or should happen to me. Now, I'm not saying that that's what they would do, but I'm saying that was the seriousness and the severity of it. They said, if I don't do what I said I was going to do, you can kill me. Now, hang on. Aren't you glad we don't do that today? But when God made a covenant with his people, God took it very seriously. And these people, God said, they had not kept the covenant that they had made with God. And God said, I am turning you over to judgment. Verse 20, I will even give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of them that seek their life and their dead bodies 
shall be for meat unto the fowls of the heaven and to the beasts of the earth. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his princes will I give into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of them that seek their life and into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which are gone up from you. Can I tell you, I don't want to place my life in the hand of my enemies. I don't want to place my life in the hand of somebody that wants to take my life. I want to put my life in the hand of God. I want God to use me. I want God to bless me. I want God to have control. And if I will follow, and if you will follow the things that God has given us, he will use you, and he will bless us, and he will protect us. I want my life to be in God's hands, not to be turned over to the hands of those that seek my life. Verse 22, behold, I will command, saith the Lord, and cause them to return to this city, and they shall fight against it and take it and burn it with fire, and I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without an inhabitant. God pronounces judgment on this city. I want you to see very quickly, I want you to see why this happened. We go back to verse number 16, and God makes it very clear that they had obeyed for a while. They had obeyed at one time, but it says, but ye turned and polluted my name. And they caused those captives and those servants that they had set free, they caused them to come back and have to serve again. And they broke their promise. Quickly, I want to ask you this question. Why do people obey why do people serve God for a while and then they turn away? It happens. Can I tell you, except for the grace of God, it could happen to any one of us here. Tonight, I believe you're here because you want to serve God and you want to obey God and you do want to do what God says. But we all know people that obeyed God for a while, but they're not obeying God now. You say, well, what are we going to do about it? Pray for them, love them, pray they come back. We're going to let God take care of it, and we're going to uh, uh, keep our own backyard clean and make sure that we do all we can to stay right with God. But why do people, sometimes they obey God for a while, but then they get away? Number one, let's give you a few thoughts. I think sometimes people think they are smarter than God. The Bible says in the book of Romans that there will come a generation, I believe we're in that generation, where people will profess themselves to be wise but in reality, they have become fools. You know why we don't obey God sometimes? We think we know better than God. Now, I don't think we'd quite verbalize it like that. I hope we wouldn't, but that's the way we live. Well, I know what the Bible says. I know what God says, but I know better. Can I tell you, that's a dangerous attitude to have. That's a dangerous position to be in, to say, I now know better than God. God told me to do this. I used to do that, but I'm not doing it anymore because I know better than God. Number two, sometimes I think we stop obeying God because we feel like it is harder to obey God than to do it our own way. In this case, they maybe let those servants go and then they started looking around saying, now we got to do all the work. Now we've got to, now we've got to get busy. Now we've got to get after it. Can I tell you, sometimes in the Christian life, we say, I want to obey God, and I know what God has said, but can I tell you this? Being a, being a Christian, it's not easy. It takes some work. Uh, well, 
your coworkers and your friends or whatever else, they're sleeping in and you're getting up and going to church. Your coworkers are sleeping in and you're getting up and you're reading your Bible and you're praying. Your coworkers or people you know or friends or family, they're going off on vacation. They're doing all this stuff. They're partying. They're living it up. They're, they're seeming to be enjoying life with all the pleasures of sin. And you're thinking, man, I'm not doing all those things. My life's so hard. Well, I'll tell you something, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but the wages of sin is death. The way of the transgressor is hard. Yeah, it may be fun for a while, but can I tell you, I'm glad I am a Christian. I'm glad I'm serving God. I don't feel like I'm giving up anything to serve God. I feel like I'm getting a whole lot for serving God. Number two, they sometimes feel like it's harder. We get weary in well-doing. We give up too quickly. We quit too easily. Number three, why do some people obey God for a while and then they stop? I think sometimes it's just that we simply do not want to submit to the authority of God. We live in a, in a, in a time when nobody wants to submit to anybody. Nobody wants to submit to a teacher. Nobody wants to submit to a boss. Nobody wants to submit to a police officer. Nobody wants to submit to a spiritual authority. We buck authority. We rebel. We think we don't have to listen. Uh, we think we're the, we're the smartest person on planet Earth because, you know, we've got our, all of our experience and all. And can I tell you something? We must submit and we must yield to God. And if you don't, and if I don't, I'll tell you this, it's not going to end well. Because the Bible tells us that they were, were turned over to their enemies and God allowed the sword and the pestilence and the famine. God set those things at liberty. God turned that loose on their lives. And then the last thought I'll give you is why do some people obey God for a while and they serve God for a while? They live, God, live for God for a while, but then they, they turn away from God. They, they, they stop following God. I think there's a lot more reasons, but I'll give you one more. I think sometimes it's because someone influences us. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, and Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. And by the way, in Galatians, that's where we find that verse, Galatians 5.1, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. I'm glad that God has set us free from our sin. I'm glad that we're not in bondage to sin anymore. I'm glad that we have been given liberty. I'm glad we are free. Thank God I am free from this world of sin. But in Galatians chapter five, a few verses later, Paul said to the church at Galatia, he said, you did run well. You used to run well. Who hath hindered you? that she should not obey the truth. It's interesting because Paul knew somehow, maybe it was because the Holy Spirit told him, but Paul knew that there was a who. There was somebody, and that somebody had led the people away from serving God. Galatians 1, verse 10, Paul asked this question. He said, do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, Paul said, I should not be the servant of Christ. Sometimes it's a who. It's somebody that gets us away from serving God. 
Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.